Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song? Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, anytime I need to see your face, I just close my eyes and I'm taken to a place where your crystal mind and magenta feelings take up shelter in the base of my spine sweet like a chicken cherry cola. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Joe McCormick. And our other host, Lauren Vogelbaum, is not with us today, but she will be back next time. Yep. So uh, we had to sit down, Joe and I, sit down and decide what were we going to talk about in the future. Like what? What is the episode that we're going to look at and say? How is the? Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, I'm being told I have to take a break right now. Uh, we got a little quick commercial that we need to throw to, uh, and we'll be right back. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, we're we're going to talk about the future of advertising. You know, I would like to talk about the future of advertising, but I am just sitting here stunned by the crisp, refreshing taste of Coke. <laughs> you know. As I was putting on my Levi's this morning and uh, then slipping on a pair of Converse to make the long walk here, uh, I was thinking, advertising doesn't affect me. <laughs> it's true. You know, uh, though, Jonathan, when you make that long walk over to the office out mm-hmm. in that hot sun, you really should stop and get a nice, crisp bottle of Dasani brand water. Yeah, I'm glad you're the, sticking with the Coke brand product. The products. best water for your lungs. Actually, you know, you know, <laughs> for my lungs. <laughs> That's right. If I'm going to breathe in water, might as well make it Dasani, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I will say this. Here's a free plug. There is one one location I do legitimately 
uh, have to force myself to walk past on my walk home. Yeah. King of Pops. Cause, cause ah. the actual King of Pops office is on my way home. And you can buy King of Pops popsicles there. If you're not familiar, King of Pops is a quite popular uh, popsicle stand in Atlanta. They got nice little carts, wheel things around. They've got handmade popsicles that are delicious, and they did not pay us to say that. No, they also have a couple locations like North Carolina and a couple of other places too. Yeah, oh, they're, yeah. they're phenomenal. So yeah, if you're ever in the city, guys, and you you want to come visit How Stuff Works offices, we'd love to have you come by and see it, and then maybe we'll go and grab a King of Pops popsicle. Yeah, they've what what have they got? I'm not really a popsicle kind of guy, but Chocolate I remember sea salts. Their big one. The one I had was like a chai tea popsicle that they, was really good. They also have sweet tea and lemonade. That's really good. That's strawberry margarita. We've yes, that's quite good. You know, we're advertising like crazy. Apparently, the future of advertising is the show. Well, yeah, we should go ask them for money now. All right. Well, that's let, probably not how it works, is no, it? No, no, it's not how it works. But we wanted to talk about the future of advertising because this is one of those things that has become, especially here in the United States, has become something that's really integrated into multiple parts of our lives, sometimes intrusively where attention is brought to it and there's a negative reaction. Sometimes it's worked into ways so subtle that you might not even be consciously aware of it. And where are we going from here? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with what I would state as sort of the fundamental conflict at the nature of advertising today, which is that everybody knows what ads are. I mean, it's not a secret anymore. You're, you're aware of the fact that businesses want you to be one aware of their products and services, two, to have positive impressions of their products and services, Mm -hmm. and three, to have sort of like drive or motivation to go out and spend your dollars on what they have to sell. Right. Whether it is to do it immediately or whenever you are in mind of pursuing that particular type of goods or service. Right. So, yeah, they might be wanting to make you go out and buy it right now or just kind of plant a seed in your brain so that so that it will sprout into a tree of money dollars later. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But so there's a sort of conflict here, which is that ads are the financial fuel that makes free content possible. I mean, so by free, I mean stuff like TV shows. Yeah. And uh, and open web content, like websites that you use that like, you don't have to pay to access. Or podcasts. Yeah, podcasts, anything like that. Without ads, these things wouldn't exist. There would be no way to pay the people who make them. They'd have to right. get jobs doing something else. It's just, you know, you'd probably – the only free content would be, I guess, what people just make in their spare time as hobbies. Right. It would be, it would be things that people are so passionate about that they are paying for – the ability to put it out there for other people to enjoy. Yeah. And there and ultimately in the grand scheme of things, that is unsupportable because only a very few people would ever be able to do that on an extended basis. Right. So ads make open content possible, but at the same time, most people don't really want to watch ads. Yeah. I mean, they might not have a really strong aversion, but they just they just rather spend their time doing something else. Well, they might want to continue the content that they're already pursuing. Like uh, if you're if you're reading an article in a magazine and you turn the page and it's an ad and you realize you have to go to the next page to, to continue the article, that can be frustrating. If you're watching a television show, heck, TV shows are designed so that the moment just before the ad break is essentially uh, like a mini cliffhanger in most cases. Right. So, they have to try to keep you on the hook yeah, to so make that, sure that you don't change the channel right, while the ads are on. Right. You have to stay there through the ad break so that when it comes back, you're still there. So that's an incentive for you to stay. And I mean, it actually in that in that way, ads are directly affecting the style of the content. The the content has been uh, uh, shaped partially because of ad- advertisements, and uh, you know it's 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 one of those things where I know like people who get DVRs or people who wait until a series is available on DVD or on Netflix or something like that. One of the things they talk about really enjoying is the ability to to view these series without the interruption of ads. Sure. And that's a problem. Yeah, and and that also highlights how, you know, of course there are other models for how content can be paid for. You can pay to view it or pay to own it like yep. you would with like a movie or something. Sure. Though that doesn't mean all movies are necessarily ad-free. Sometimes they want to supplement their budget by placing a few products in there or yeah. something like sometimes that. Sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's incredibly blatant. <laughs> right. 
Um, but so, yeah, ads make the content that we like and consume possible, and we generally put up with it. I, I mean, I don't get mad when an ad pre-rolls before a YouTube video, but a right. lot of times I will switch over to another tab while that ad's running, or I'll or I'll wait till the little skip thing pops up and I'll skip it. Yeah. Yeah, I've done the same. I mean, uh, there, there's some, however, I, there are times where I've gone to a, uh, a YouTube channel, for example, something that I really enjoy, and I think, no, I'm letting this ad play out because I legitimately like what this person is producing and I want to create the incentive for them to yeah, produce more. You want them to get that 85 cents. Yeah, knowing that it, in the grand scheme of things, my one view is insignificant, but I hope that other people are doing the same so that the the person who's making the stuff I enjoy continues to have a reason to make the stuff I enjoy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what we wanted to make clear from the get-go. Joe and I both are not anti-advertisement. Uh, we think that ads provide a valuable service for multiple reasons. One, I mean, there are products I would never have been aware of had there not been ads for them. Products that I use all the time, like stuff I buy regularly. And bec- and the reason why I know about them is because I heard an ad or I saw an ad. And that that has led to a benefit to me personally. So there's a benefit. I work in an industry where we have... We work on the web. We wouldn't have jobs yeah, without ads. We wouldn't have jobs without ads. So I benefit from that way as well. So, uh, and then, you know, the advertisers benefit if, if in fact their ads are effective because they can move whatever the product is. So we're not anti-ad. We're anti-bad advertisement, <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're anti-intrusive advertisement that ends up being. Speak um, for yourself. I like bad intrusive things. So, you, so when you go to a website and you have, uh, an autoplay video pop up, over on top of whatever it is you're trying to watch. Oh, and it starts making sound. And it starts making sound That is the worst feeling when you've got 36 tabs open and yeah. one of them starts making sound right. and you're like, oh, which one? Right. Yeah, because you're, you know, sometimes when we're re- researching these podcasts, we'll be, we'll be looking at multiple resources. Yeah. And sometimes it'll be, uh, uh some media coverage of a story and, you know, you know, you guys know, you've been to media sites. There are a lot of media sites out there. When you open it up, it has a typed article as well as an embedded video. And there are some, more than a few, media outlets out there that have those set on autoplay. And then you open up all these tabs. And like you were saying, Joe, one of them starts playing. You're like, oh, no. And then you have to play Hunt the Video. When I'm out competing in a triathlon, <laughs> I like the crisp, refreshing taste of Coca-Cola. <laughs> I, this is where we point out we live in Atlanta where, you know, if we don't mention Coca-Cola in every few podcasts, we get punished. So anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it. Th- this is that's an that's an extreme example, right, of a terrible advertisement that that is more than more than uh, uh, not going to irritate the person rather than entice them. Uh, I mean, you're you're. Guaranteed to get a lot more views that way, but that doesn't mean the views are valuable. Right. And so there's always this give and take in how you design ads and what you do with them. I mean, you're, you're trying to manage the audience's reaction, manage how many audience members are going to see it, mm-hmm. how they feel about it when they see it. And then you're also competing with the fact that most of us don't really want to at- watch ads. We're not going to go out of our way to watch ads. So, you know, how do you make sure that you're still getting exposure to, especially to the right kind of audience, the people that you think would buy your product and you want to see these ads. Right. So there's this back and forth going on all the time. People are savvy about, like, when commercials are going to come on on the TV. They've come up with devices like TiVo and stuff to skip over them or mm-hmm. they, you know, or they just wait until they can uh, they can watch it, I don't know, pirated or buy the DVD or, or something like that. Or on Netflix or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, there are a lot of people who work on the web programming advertising, and they're starting to notice, oh, a lot of people just don't click on display ads. You know, right. you can run ads on the side of a website. Like banners and, and things like that. Yeah. Banners and, and, and the, uh, you know, runners on the top or bottom of a page, that kind of stuff. Sure, and there are a lot of people who are afraid, like, oh, well, I can I can put that there. But people just know that they've started to learn where those things are going to be on the site, and they just – they automatically tune it out. They yeah, don't pay attention called to it. Called ad blindness. Yeah. Yeah. You just you don't even bother looking at the banners or the the sides or anything. And that's why you see these different kinds of ads emerging, like in 
past years we've seen the the YouTube pre-roll ads come in as a thing where they say, well, somebody wants to watch a video, they've got to watch the ad before the video starts or all kinds of other things that are part of the science of advertising, people mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get you to pay attention. And then there are the the pieces of content that are designed so it looks like it's, you know, uh, a, a YouTube video or TV episode or whatever, but turns out to be just an ad. Uh, if that's not done very, very well, then very likely you end up getting a very negative reaction from that because people feel like they've been tricked into watching a commercial. Sure, and people don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one likes to be tricked, right? They're like, just be, just be, you know, upfront about it because unless it, unless it's a pleasant surprise, then it ends up just being irritating. Yeah. And, and there are ways where you can create a compelling, uh, interesting ad that is, in fact, its own kind of content. I'll I'll give you an example, Uh, even though it's an ad for something that no longer exists. P.T., the playable trailer that was released on uh, PlayStation 4. It was a playable trailer that was uh, ultimately discovered to be an ad for Silent Hills, the game that Guillermo del Toro was working on before that whole thing got nixed. Yeah. And that that did have kind of an advantage going in of like a built-in audience so that was the fans of the previous games. But but when it first came out, the most of the people who were playing it weren't even aware that it was itself an ad, a yeah. trailer. It was it was its own experience and then at the end it turned out to be a trailer and it was one of those experiences that told you this was really creepy and really effective and if this is an example of the sort of stuff that's going to come out with this other game, I can't wait for this other game to come out. So that was an amazing example of an ad that was designed in such a way to not look like an ad and yet was effective. Most of the time that doesn't happen. <laughs> Most of the time if an ad is designed to look like something else, people end up getting ticked off that they were quote unquote tricked into watching an ad. Yeah. So uh, that's certainly something to be careful of. One of the things I think we'll definitely see in the future uh, something that I think we're going to see more of, we're already seeing it now, is more targeted advertising. Yeah, so this is one other way that ads have advanced recently. They've started to say, hey, we can figure out data about mm-hmm. who's going to be looking somewhere at any given time and give them ads that we think would be especially effective on them. So one way you'll probably notice this is the ads that show up for you on Facebook. Right. If you use Facebook you are getting targeted ads that are based on who you are. There's somebody out there with an algorithm who says people who have your interests, who are of your, you know, like age, uh, sex, you know, region, mm-hmm. all, all these different facts about you, they think I can decide exactly what this person needs to see. Now, sometimes it, it's weird and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've, I've received ads for things that I'm like, who do they think I am? I remember there, I used to get this one all the time. It was just a picture of a gun and it said like, <laughs> join SWAT. Like they were trying to get me to enlist in some kind of police academy to become a member of a SWAT team. I, I, I'm not sure what that was about. In my case, it was a photoshopped image of an insanely muscular bodybuilder. And oh, I've how, gotten that. Yeah, that's the that's a popular one that pops up on mine. And I'm like, have I ever done anything that tells you I'm remotely interested in lifting anything heavy? <laughs> like, <laughs> I I usually look for excuses. Like, I think you know what? If I just aim for downhill, it'll take care of it itself. Like. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can see the appeal of lifting a heavy plate of nachos. Yeah, that's about it. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one, Joe. <laughs> so, targeted advertising obviously is very attractive to advertisers because it it gives at least the potential for a greater return. Like yeah. you're going to see, you if you are if you are setting out to engage an audience that you have predetermined is more uh, disposed to purchasing those types of goods and services, then you have a better chance of success. As a consumer, assuming the targeted advertising is working properly, it can work to your favor as well because you will end up seeing things that would be pertinent to you. Sure. I mean, if targeted advertising works as it's intended, it actually 
should work out for you, really, because it should be showing you things that you actually want to buy. Right. Like, it should be able to figure out what you're willing to spend money on and would feel good about doing so. Right. And right now, I would say that targeted advertising is in in a, a transitional period. So if you look at traditional advertising with magazines, radio, television... Uh, the advertisers would again look at the demographics of the audience for that particular channel or or episode, you know, television series or radio program or whatever it was. Right, and, and of would, course we, we're all individuals. We know that's kind of a crude metric, but maybe right. it was better than nothing. Right, and so it was in, in a way. Even then, it was still targeted advertising. It's just it was kind of the the you know net approach as opposed to a very refined like targeted approach. Uh, and then with the, the period we're in now, we're looking still at demographics, but we're looking at narrower slices of demographics. And then in the future, we're expecting to see a lot of personalized advertising where it's going to be based specifically on you and your likes and dislikes and behaviors, something more akin to the Facebook thing you're talking about or on Amazon where right. you get the suggested items because of your pr- previous buying yeah. habits. It shows you stuff you've looked at but not bought on Amazon. Yeah. So it's like, hey, remember this thing you were thinking about buying? Or it's it'll, still there. Or shows you related objects to the thing like, you know, you bought this one thing. Other people who bought that one thing also bought these other things. Are you sure you don't want these other things too? Of course, the the kink in that system is if you're like me and most of the stuff you look at on Amazon is Just stuff you're laughs. looking at because it's funny, not stuff because you're, you're planning like on buying the, it. Like the products that have the ridiculously funny Amazon ad, ad, uh, reviews written for them. Yeah. I love those. Like you, you find some ridiculous item on Amazon and people will – People really take it as as po- as their their attempt to exercise their poetic license yeah. and create the most amazing reviews ever. But yeah, uh, more targeted ads and personalized ads are probably in the future. Now, granted, we've already seen examples of companies doing this and having missteps, right, mm-hmm. where they've identified people and revealed that the behaviors of that person uh, were more revealing – about their personal situations than you might otherwise have anticipated. Sure. So in other words, like your actions have told this company things about you that might not be tied directly to your identity, but tied directly to your personal situation. Mm-hmm. And that, that's an example. Okay. So here's the classic one. Uh, I won't name the company because, I mean, it's been talked about a billion times anyway, but there was a, an inc- instance where you have a company that identified that a particular customer based upon behaviors was pregnant and sent coupons to that customer, uh, electronic coupons to that customer that had to do with pregnancy. The father of this customer, who was a young lady, uh, was offended that these, these coupons were insinuating that his daughter was pregnant. And so he wrote and complained to the company saying, uh, you know, how dare you do this? Uh, you're, you're casting aspersions upon my young daughter. And then, of course, it turned out that, in fact, his young daughter was pregnant but had not yet told her father. Mm. And so this led to a very difficult situation for that family, certainly. I mean, right. that was – Well, know, this kind of means how targeted advertising, if not done – Right could be a violation of the user's privacy. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it wasn't the intent of the company to do such a thing. You know, the intent of the company was, here's an opportunity to, uh, to make some more sales. This is a person. Cash in on new life. (laughs) Well, and, and this was a person who was clearly interested in it because her browsing habits had indicated that. So it's not like, they were making just a, a shot in the dark, mm-hmm. right? This, this was someone who was actively looking for information and the company was responding to it in a way that they thought was being proactive. Sure. And it turned out to be overreaching. But it, it does definitely illustrate that there are ways of doing this that can be, if at, at best, problematic and at worst, disastrous. Yeah. And so I think we can both agree that targeted advertising is going to get more and more targeted. Yeah. It's going to get m- – just basically because the systems that surround us throughout mm-hmm. our lives are going to know more and more about us and understand what to make of more and more of that data all the time. Yeah. So what does the future of targeted advertising look like? Well, the future could be integrated directly to our day-to-day experiences. The Wall Street Journal had an article about how mass marketing was was 
dying. It was going extinct. And the idea was more about this targeted and personalized advertising, which wasn't necessarily just personalized to to you, Joe. You know, what makes Joe, Joe? We're going to send ads to Joe. But more but more about what Joe is specifically doing at that time. Right. So it's not even just you. It's you in this moment. Right. So the examples that they gave, here's a good one that, that was in the article. Uh, let's say you're driving down the road and you're starting to get to a point where – Hold on. Which road? Okay, uh, you are driving down Buford Highway. You just got some delicious Korean tacos. Nice. Okay, so you, you're driving down Buford Highway, got some delicious Korean tacos. You're heading back to the east side of town, which is where you live. Uh, Buford Highway is, of course, in the northeast, so you're going to have to go southwest to hit the perimeter, take that around, unless you're going to go all the way down into town and then take 20 out. But we're not going to bother with the details there. At any rate, you're taking the road. Your gas... Your gas uh, is getting down to like, oh, uh, let's say it's uh, uh, less than a quarter of a tank. And your your, uh, car detects that the gas is at this level and sends a message to you saying, hey, uh, you probably want to refill your gas before you drive because there's going to be some traffic. You don't know how long it's going to – you're going to be stuck there. You should probably refill. There's a gas station uh, half a mile up on the right side. That would be really useful to you. Mm-hmm. Now, it may be that the reason you hear about that specific gas station is because that gas station is an advertiser that has worked along with the system that is integrated into your car so that you get the alert for that specific gas station. There might be another gas station that's on the left that would be fine, too. But you have the specific indication that there's one coming up on the right so you can go and refill. And that's a moment of opportunity that could be uh, could be exploited or, uh, you know, cashed in on, however you want to think about it. But ultimately, it's something that you would need to do anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Or another one that uh, seems quite possible is we've talked before about the possibility of something like a smart fridge. Yeah. So imagine a future where. All the products you buy at the grocery store, all the refrigerated ones at least, are RFID tagged. Yeah. So that when you put them in the fridge, the fridge recognizes like, oh, I just got a, you know, gallon of milk on this day at this time. And it went into the fridge. Now, imagine you're at the store and you can't remember if you have fresh milk in the fridge or not. Your fridge could send you an alert on your phone saying like, well, the last time you put milk in the fridge was a gallon uh, 47 days ago. So it's <laughs> probably not fresh. Yeah, you might you might need more milk. I, I don't think I've ever yeah. had a gallon of milk last that long, Joe. Well, I, I don't want to know what you do with that milk. Do but you anyway. Just sip at a gallon? Just like, <laughs> like just fill up a little shot hang glass of milk. From, and- hang it from one finger, take a sip every now and then. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that would be useful information when you're at the store. But what if you couple that with some kind of like, uh, advertiser supported network? Obviously sure. advertisers would want to be able to say, oh, this person's at the store and they know they need milk. Why don't you get this brand of milk? Right. Yeah. And it could even be that you get home and, you know, you, you're, you could get proactive messages saying, all right, you, you've bought these four items several times in the past and they are now currently running low. They're almost out or they're almost expired or whatever. Uh, here are some coupons for those items because we know that you bought them in the past. You'll probably buy them in the future. This is another incentive for you to do so. And you go out and you buy them. Uh, again, it's kind of like, kind of like the same sort of, um, benefits you would get from being a, a, a getting a customer loyalty card, mm-hmm. something along those lines, the stuff that's being integrated into digital wallets. It's very much the same sort of strategies. The idea of, well, we we have established these particular customer behaviors. Let's reinforce those behaviors and continue to sell the goods and services that these companies are providing. And if everything is done well, then it benefits everybody, mm-hmm. right? Because the customer is happy because the customer has the opportunities to buy the things that he or she needs. The advertisers are happy because the clients are selling the stuff they want to sell. And so therefore the clients are happy too. That's the ideal situation. Uh, it won't always work out that way. What if you go out and you buy something, you know, you've got a recipe and it's calling for something that you normally don't buy, but you go out and you buy it. 
you put it in the fridge. The fridge recognizes you've bought that thing. And then you're just constantly getting messages to buy more of that. And it turns out the recipe didn't work out. It was a disaster and you're never going to use that again. That could be, that could be an annoyance, right? So, Hopefully, you would have. A, I mean, it's not going to ruin your life. No, but it but could be. It could be mildly annoying. It'd be like spam. Yeah, it'd be essentially the equivalent of spam. Saying, "Well, I'm not going to buy that," and yet I keep getting messages about it. that's spam. So, hopefully, there would be a means of building things into there. Saying, "All right, this one thing I bought was a total mistake. I never want to buy it again. Don't send me messages about it." Uh, there would hopefully be some sort of way of building that in. Now, granted, that would probably receive some resistance from the side of advertisers, but ultimately it might be the best thing to provide to make consumers more ready to adopt that kind of approach, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, I would hate to think, oh, I, you know, like, for example, I do not enjoy, I don't tend to drink a lot of soft drinks. Uh, I very occasionally do. And so I wouldn't tend to buy them. You drink gallons of milk instead. Not all at once. <laughs> what are you? How does a gallon of milk last forty-seven days for you, Joe? You, to me, you're the freak that of was nature. Just a hypothetical example. A I don't know if I've ever situation. bought a gallon of milk. Good lord, I can go through a gallon of milk in like four days. Um, but I I drink almond milk now, so I don't drink milk milk anymore. But at any rate, uh, so let's say let's say that I buy um, soft drinks for a party because I'm going to have a party. Uh, first of all, the soft drinks are going to sit in my fridge forever because no one ever comes to my parties. But, <laughs> but, you know, if I kept getting messages about buying soft drinks, that would be irritating to me. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that needs to be worked out as well. Otherwise, we fall into the same traps that we fall in with traditional advertising or maybe not traditional, but web advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the whole reason for this is because the traditional approaches while they could get in front of a lot of people, you couldn't really be sure how effective they were. So if I put an ad, a national spot, at uh, in a, a show that has a pretty high ratings, so it's a show that a lot of people are watching. Do you buy a Super Bowl commercial? That's the ultimate example here in the United States, right? You buy because yeah. I mean, well, Super Bowl commercials are almost their own thing because yeah. there's like a there's like a perceived competition to create the most entertaining. Super Bowl commercial. Never mind. You 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 take out a spot to run a commercial on a rerun of Friends. There we go. That's that's a good example. You know, there's going to be people watching. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's going to be a lot of folks, a lot of eyeballs on that screen. So you know that you're going to reach potentially a large audience, but you don't know how many of those you're going to engage with that commercial. Like you don't know how many people are really going to be paying attention, who are going to be affected by it, who are going to act upon it. So ultimately, your the value of your commercial is largely placed upon the value of the show you've put it against. Um, unless you happen to create one of those rare commercials where people talk about it later and there's a buzz about it, in which case, you know, you're like, excellent. That's the dream right there to have a commercial that gets legs beyond when you air it. And then like it has an appeal of its own. Yeah. And hopefully it translates into more sales. I mean, obviously, if you're an advertiser and you're not, and your ads are not translating into sales, you're not going to be in business forever because clients are going to say, well, we're going to go with someone else because we're not, we're not actually seeing an improvement here in our, our sales figures. So I think of like commercials that got buzz or, or seem to get a positive response. Uh, the one that I, that springs to mind in, among my circle of friends were the series of, uh, uh, Old Spice commercials because they were just so weird mm-hmm. and and had a very quirky sense of humor, which was so different from everything else that was out there at the time. And um, I don't know how it translated into sales, but it certainly was one of those things that people found entertaining all on its own. So that's mass marketing and the approach. But if you look at the web version, you can see how effective those ads are because you see how many people click on stuff. Yeah. Right. If people are not clicking. The infamous click through rate. Yeah. Click through is valuable in the sense that, yes, it shows how valuable advertising is, but it's also incredibly destructive because it also shows how valuable advertising is. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that if the advertising isn't valuable, then the whole model falls through. Right. Like, how do you justify, uh, getting advertising dollars spent on a, on a, on a particular show? 
if the ads aren't driving people to actually purchase things. And this was this is one of those things we've seen teeter-totter throughout the history of the web, right? Like we yeah. saw some web pages because the traffic that they were getting were commanding incredibly high advertising rates to run an ad on those pages. Uh, and then others were having very low rates for theirs. So mm-hmm. you can have the same ad running on two different websites and have it being having a much larger payout for one versus the other just because of the traffic. Yeah. And then, of course, there there are other metrics that are much, much harder to measure or maybe even impossible mm-hmm. to measure with how successful something like a, a piece of web advertising could be, because you might have a successful piece of web advertising that people don't click on. Instead, it's successful because it creates a positive impression or a positive association. Yeah. In fact, I think a whole lot of advertising works this way. Yeah. Like you, you're not even um, – it's not that people are saying, oh, I need to buy some deodorant right now. I'll click on this ad. Instead, they see an ad for your brand of deodorant on a site they really like and they form a positive association in their mind. And then when and they're then in maybe the, in the future when yeah. they're going to go buy something in the store, they have that nice feeling about your brand. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a long game to play. The problem from the the uh the financial side is it's very hard to to create the causal relationship, right. right? How do you figure out if that's working? Yeah. So if you can't be certain that it's working, then it's hard to put a value on that advertisement. You know, it's, it's hard to get to that point where you say, how much is the opportunity for our, our service to be shown on your service? How, how valuable is that? And it's really hard to answer that question. You would think it would be easier with web-based advertising than with mass marketing because, again, you can at least see engagement in yeah. web. Now, there might be a, a spike in sales after a television spot runs on a popular program. Like, let's let's go back to the Super Bowl because that is the big example in the United States. Let's say there's an incredible commercial for some product out there that just really captures imaginations, and then you see a spike in sales. It's you know, somewhat logical to to draw a line from one to the other, but it may be there are other factors that were at play and that the causation is not as direct as it appears, right? So you can't be sure, even in that traditional world, that the ads are what led to the increase in sales. And in our current world, you can't be sure. So then that starts bringing up the question of, well, how do we figure out how valuable... <laughs> This is like how do how do we get to a fair point where the amount that uh, is paid by the advertiser to the service makes sense and allows the the service to or like you know the content creator however you want to put it allows them to actually create the stuff they want to create. Yeah. Well, I've got a few scenarios I'd like to talk about that might be part of the future of advertising. Sure. Uh, so the first one I want to bring up is. So we've talked about ad subsidized content. Yeah. You know, that there's content that you can view for free or at a reduced price because it has been totally or partially paid for by ad dollars. Right. What about ad subsidized hardware? This is something uh, I think we've seen come up with a few devices. I think the one of the some of the Kindles yeah. had this option, mm-hmm. and I think this is very interesting. I don't know if it is the future, but I can very much see a scenario where it is. So here's the way it works: you can pay, uh, and I'll just make some numbers up. Let's say there's a new device; it's like augmented reality glasses or mm-hmm. something like that. Where you can pay five hundred dollars to get just standard model. Or you can pay $200 to get a version of this that every now and then shows you ads. Right. That's pretty much it. So it's not just subsidizing content. It's paying for part of the hardware that you want to own but might be expensive. Right. And I think that's an interesting model. We might see more of that going forward. But that leads into another thing I want to talk about, which is the possibility of augmented reality advertising. Right. So you get like – Virtual ads overlaid on top of real physical things. Right, yeah. So think about the cool things that we've talked about that something like the Microsoft HoloLens can Mm do. One thing you could supposedly do with the HoloLens is it's a pair of glasses you put over your eyes, 
and you you see everything normally. It's it, you know it's like transparent, so you can see your surroundings. It, it's not like virtual reality goggles right. where everything's it's, virtual. It's not a solid display. It's transparent. Right. So yeah. you, it's transparent. You see your surroundings, but you can put digital content anywhere right. you want mm-hmm. in your surroundings. So the cool thing about the HoloLens is. Let's say maybe you can put a screen anywhere. Yeah. So you want to watch TV. You don't have to look at a TV. You can say, well, I want to pin a screen playing a video to this wall. Mm-hmm. And so you can go about your business, but every- there on that wall, there through your glasses, you will perceive a screen playing your video content. Right. So every time you look at that wall, you'll see the screen. And if you look away, the screen in your perspective, stays there. Yeah, and I think that that's really cool. Yeah, it's super cool. I I really like that as a potential application. But you could also think about ads working that way. Yeah. And I don't want to sound really creepy about it, though it might be creepy depending on on how it works out. So imagine you're wearing your augmented reality glasses while you're out on a hike in the mountains – and you've paid for this ad subsidized model. So you paid less to buy the glasses, but you're going to see some ads. Mm-hmm. What might you see out on a hike? Well, it might be that you're walking through the woods and some tree stumps have ads for hiking boots or for camping gear. Now, obviously, a, like a national <laughs> park would never allow people to pin up advertisements right. all over the sure. forest. Yeah, you wouldn't have billboards everywhere. But you could digitally create a forest with ads pinned up all over <laughs> I, it. I, I'm just imagining like the comedy spoof version of this where you're wearing the HoloLens. You're out there hiking. Obviously not the HoloLens. That's meant for inside the house. But a HoloLens right. I'm talking. I'm not talking device. about HoloLens, but right, I mean right. a future augmented reality Yeah, device. right. You're, you're wearing some, some augmented reality headset or contact lenses or whatever it may be and you're out there hiking i could just imagine seeing the ad cold have you tried fire (laughs) fire now for (laughs) 5.99 like and of course yeah and it's of course you can imagine this not just hiking but in any scenario sure the software and hardware together are smart enough to sense things you might want to buy or be thinking about in your current situation it can serve your serve you ads for those things. Super personalized. Like, let's say, again, let's say that I'm wearing these augmented reality things, whatever they may be, and I'm walking around a city, and the device knows that I've not spent very much time in this city. It knows because of the fact that I've worn it for a while and that most of my time was spent in Atlanta. That's where my home is. Right. It knows that because of just tracking my my location. But you're visiting the lost city of Atlantis. I'm, I'm visiting the lost city of Atlantis. Now, it also knows because I have often gone to taco joints that I like tacos. And yeah. so I'm walking down or rather swimming down the avenue in Atlantis. <laughs> And I'm looking around at various buildings, and one of them happens to have a taqueria in it. And really so good fish tacos. It pops up, tells me, "Hey, you want those Baja fish tacos? This is the place to go." Uh, that would be very valuable to me. I would, I would very much like to, that, especially if it was telling me, "All right, well, here's the place. Here are the you know top reviews for that place." Here's the menu for that place, and it could all be that it's an opt-in advertising thing. Um, and you know, the other thing I like about this is that. With augmented reality, it's it's very easy to get away from all the advertising. You just take the augmented reality headset off. Right. Right? And then you're not surrounded by – I mean you're surrounded by ads, but you're surrounded by classic ads. Right. So uh, what I was just talking about, part of what I was thinking about when I was imagining the scenario was like, wait, why are you wearing the glasses in the woods anyway? Shouldn't you be out enjoying nature? Well, you want to augment nature so you enjoy it more. Right. Well, you might actually want to augment nature because you there might be cool apps that you could run in your glasses. So maybe you're out hiking and you want to be able to – uh, have like a compass app in your vision or, or like a maps app in your vision or you wanna, maybe, maybe you want to identify a bird you saw. Like you see a bird and you're like, I don't recognize that and be able to use image recognition to say, hey, this is that tag type of the bird. bird. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe you want to look at uh, – maybe it will identify constellations in the sky while yeah. you're out ha- hiking at night. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I can see scenarios where that could be cool though. I hope – at some point, you'd take the glasses off and just experience some unfiltered planet Earth. And but. also, I hope that in all of those experiences, any sort of advertising is not intrusive because obviously that would severely impact your enjoyment of the experience. Right. It need again, just like every other type of advertising, it needs to be smart in order for it to work. Sure. Uh, but yeah, the thing you suggested, I think, is a is a less creepy and and maybe better version of that, where it's just for 
things around you yeah. that it thinks you would probably want. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you could get to a point where you even have, uh, let's say that you've got the glasses on in your home, like the HoloLens, again, great example because that's designed to be in your home. And you're looking around and you happen to look down at something that, you know, you doesn't work anymore, but you haven't gotten around to throwing it out. And it identifies it and knows it doesn't work and sends you, like, do you want to replace this? Uh, that <laughs> like would actually, it can identify when something's broken. Well, the, there can be because, I yeah. mean, like, so for example – I have a puppy. <laughs> I know. And the puppy is adorable and I love him very much. But the puppy sometimes gets into things. Oh, this was going to such a scary place. I thought you were going to say if my puppy is broken. No, how do I I'm get not in? talking about my puppy being broken. Don't go there. I can't even I can't even bear that thought. I'm talking about my puppy like doing something that my puppy did. This is actually what my puppy did. Chewed through a power cord to a uh, to a cradle that holds my universal remote. My universal remote does not take normal batteries. It has a uh, like a, a a proprietary battery inside of it that it charges through these little contacts that are inside a charging cradle. So unless I buy a new charging cradle for this universal remote, which by this time has been kind of become obsolete, yeah. right? I mean, I could probably find one somewhere. Uh, but, you know, let's say that I'm wearing the HoloLens and I look around and it says, oh, well, clearly this isn't working anymore because the cable's broken. So here, here's a link to a new one. You can buy it right away. That, cause I, I'm one of those people who, unless it's right in front of me right at that moment, I might not even think about it. So the times when I'm actually engaged in shopping, I might not be thinking about the stuff that, oh yeah, I guess I could, Stand to buy another one of those. So how will the company that sells the replacement parts teach dogs how to chew through cables in well, order to sell more stuff? However they've done it, it has really stuck with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> it, my dog is is an ace student and could probably teach other dogs his technique. Okay. I want to talk about one more potential future uh, advertising technology sure. that could go to both Good and horrible places. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's a particular science fiction yeah. series that you were going to refer to in a well, second. Well, I'll start with the horrible, and then we can imagine the hopefully more likely and better right. version. And this is eye tracking. So if you have seen the UK TV series Black Mirror, I'm sure you'll remember a terrifying, terrifying episode about people who live in a world where almost every social activity they do is digital. It's right. all done through computers. Like everything is, it's sort of like this dystopia of the social media future. Every- Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I think you meant utopia. <laughs> Everyone seems pretty darn happy in that series, okay. in that episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's terrifying. It's horrific. It's and awesome. so they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're going through all these social apps mm-hmm. to do everything. But of course, every digital experience comes packaged with ads. And when an ad comes up, they've got a system of sort of money that's billed as credits and you must either watch the ad or pay a fine. Right. That's scary enough on its own. I, I don't think, hopefully, I don't think people would put up with a system like that, but we'd see. Uh, and then here's the worst part. You can't just let the ad run and ignore it. You have to watch because the screen knows if your eyes are closed or averted. Yeah, it's, it, there's eye tracking technology there. So if if you look and your room is essentially all four walls are screens. Yeah. So if you look from one wall to the other wall, the ad follows you. So it's not like you can look away from the ad. The ad's still playing. Yeah. It's still playing right in front of you. Uh, and if you close your eyes, it detects that you're closing your eyes, and it'll just pause the ad until you open your eyes again. Yeah. Now, like I said, hopefully, I don't. I don't think this kind of thing will ever happen because it is just so awful. I don't think people would put up with it. That's my optimistic take on this. Uh, I'm sure there are cynics and pessimistic people who say, well, "No, I, we're going down that road." There's no way it would work. No one would buy anything from any company that did that. So unless I would you, hope not. Unless you were a company buying ad spots for your uh, competitors. Yeah. <laughs> so that you, that you sour everybody on their stuff. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So I'm going to hopefully say, I don't think people would tolerate no. this kind of world, but on the technical side, this is not hard to imagine at all. In fact, I think we have the technology to build this today. Yeah. We have uh software. I, eye tracking software exists. Yeah. We, 
they used to be that they they would have specialized cameras to do eye tracking. Nowadays, you just need software and a t- and typically a, a standard webcam or even laptop camera can do this sort of stuff, where it can track where your eyes are uh, directing, you know, and where you're you're directing your gaze. So let's say that you've got an ad, you might use that sort of software to see, well, where are people looking when this ad pops up? Mm-hmm. Is it compelling? Are they looking away? If they're looking away, can we design an ad that makes people want to watch? Sure. Uh, if they are watching a particular thing in the ad, can we create another ad that takes advantage of that? You know, maybe maybe there's a particular beauty shot of a product and people are really gravitating toward that. And you think, well, maybe we need to focus the product more in our ad and less about the idyllic experience your life will have if you buy said product, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because a lot of the ads focus on, you know, things like family, you know, a family hanging out and being happy or whatever. And you don't see what the product is until toward the end of the commercial. And really what they're selling is the idea of happiness. Oh, man. I don't know if you saw the same ad I did before Mad Max Fury Road. Did you? I don't know. I was in the theater to watch Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And there was a commercial that played before the movie came on. And it was exactly like you're describing. It didn't identify what the product was. And I'm not going to say the brand particularly, but it was like a hat. It wasn't Coke, was it? Because we've been talking about it. No, it was was like this this family doing all these things outside. It had nothing to do with any product that you could identify, like a whole family. And they're like on a farm outdoors doing various activities. And then at the end, it just showed the brand name. And it was a brand of yogurt. (laughs) That <laughs> had nothing to do with so the no, contents. No of one the is ad. ever eating yogurt in the ad, and, or uh, no. And everyone in the audience just immediately started laughing. It right. was, uh, I would say, not a successful ad. Well, and it's one of those things that advertisers are trying to do, right? They're trying to associate a brand with a particular type of a set of uh, feelings, right. right? It's almost like you're selling happiness as opposed to selling a product. Sure, and I think ads have always done that. Yeah, but yeah. this is. This is an example of doing it the wrong it's way. An egregious <laughs> example. So, you know, you might you might end up creating an ad and using eye tracking software to see, you know, and I could see this being more about the testing of the ads before they go out to the public, not necessarily something that's rolled out because none of us want to have a world where when we are online, our cameras are always active to track our eyes. We don't want that world. Sure. That's not any place we want to be. But assuming that's something where they're testing the ad, you know, mm-hmm. they're bringing people in to look at different ads and see which ones are more effective. It's, you know, essentially the, the focus group type stuff. Eye, eye tracking might be very useful to see like, oh, well, maybe we need to reshoot this ad and focus on this one thing because that's what everyone seems to really be looking at. Or they're looking at it and this thing has nothing to do with the stuff we're selling and therefore this is a distraction. We need to eliminate that distraction. Those could be examples. Then again, I can see on the other hand, this might be another scenario where that uh, subsidized hardware comes in. You know, what mm. if it, what if people accept something that tracks where their eyes are looking because they can get the device a lot cheaper if they agree to that? Oof. Well, I mean, I mean, if they're doing it, if they're doing it because that's all on the up and up, you know, it's right there in the front saying, this is the reason this isn't expensive. And, uh, I mean, personally, I would never do it. No, I, me I can't, neither. I, I mean, can't imagine. No, I, I don't think I'd even buy a device that showed me ads because it was cheaper. I now see. I could see myself doing that depending upon the device because it would depend on how badly I wanted the device. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, for something like an e-reader, like it's for me, an e-reader is one of those things that I, I do like enjoy using them, uh, and uh, I, I think they are valuable, but. If I'm looking at one that's $50 as opposed to one that's $250 mm-hmm. and the $50 one is because it has some ads in it, I might think, you know, I, re- I really like e-readers, but I don't know if I like them $250 much. I guess I'd want to know how – where the ads show up, how often, how intrusive they are. I mean is it going to be like every time you flip the page, you're going to have to flip past an ad? Mm. For me, it would be are are the ads – 
working with whatever it is you're reading? Because if you're reading something like The Road, is it all like, 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 like the the filter masks for when you're <laughs> dusting in your house or sunny water or yeah. you know that would be awkward, right? Like depending upon what you're reading. Like you're reading Game of Thrones and it's trying to sell <laughs> you wedding cakes. It would just be it would just be uh yeah wedding cakes and uh and various types of razors. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I mean that. Comedy aside, I mean, obviously there are are again things that you got to actually dedicate thought to. We've, I'm sure, all of us have had a story where we've been in an experience where an unfortunate ad has has thrown a moment into the wrong kind of tone. Like, you know, it's the end of a show, uh, end of a end of an act. On a, on a television show where something really dramatic happens. Mm-hmm. And then the next ad is so tonally different that it has created a moment of absurdity that makes it hard for you to get back into the show. We've had those examples. Heck, the Super Bowl this past year is a great example. There were so many heavy, heavy commercials. I didn't watch it, but I remember people talking about uh – yeah, like ads that. Oh wait, did I watch it? I think maybe I saw part of it. <laughs> I, I, anyway, I wasn't it. really. But anyway, the, the whole thing was I remember people talking about ads that were like, "Your children are going to die." Yeah, no, there were a lot of very heavy ads, and particularly heavy ads about like that that dealt with with some sort of tragic event, and then the healing after that tragic event was part of what the ad was selling, and. There were so many that people were like, this is the most depressing Super Bowl in history because the ads are so dark and depressing and, and they're very f- – the few that were fun and, and peppy and whatever were so uh, – you know, Seemed out of place. Yeah. It, it just was weird, right? And so that's one of those things. Again, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. Like how do you design an ad that's going to be powerful and compelling and, and get people to do what you want them to do? Uh, but not again disrupt the entire experience. So, uh, we'll probably see more work in that area as well. I think, I think the interesting thing to me about advertising is how it's the, the, the way we experience the world around us is evolving so quickly that there's, a, there are a lot of questions that are unanswered. And so things that might have worked back in the good old days, the Mad Men days, uh, those, that, those rules don't apply anymore. Or at least not to the same extent that they once did. So mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting world, and I'm I am curious to see where this goes, both as a consumer and as someone who creates stuff. Like it, it matters to me. Um, I'm not you know I'm not planning on advertising any of the stuff I do, <laughs> <laughs> apart from you know the kind of promotion I do on social media or whatever. But but uh, the other two areas where the you know the person who's creating content that is ad supported and the person who consumes content. It very much matters to me. So uh, this was fun to talk about. And I know this was one of our more rambly episodes because we were you know, wanting to, to focus on something that we're interested in and also concerned about because we want to make sure that when it's done, it's done correctly. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, listeners, if you have any perspective on ads. Maybe you work in advertising. Maybe you've got you know a deeper sense of perspective from that side than we do, which would be great to hear from you if that's the case. Send us an email. Our address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. Or you can drop us a line on Twitter or Google Plus or Facebook. At Twitter and Google Plus, we are FWThinking. Just search FWThinking in the Facebook search bar. We'll pop right up and you can leave us a message there. We read all of them and we, uh, we love hearing from you guys. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.